Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to another podcast. And today I have an amazing special guest who wrote this book I just read, The Fruit Companion, that comes out today, this week. Oh, yeah, it's out it's today. Like, it's out today. <laughs> and the author is here, Seth Balin. Thank you for coming. Thank you so much, Jack. Really happy to be here. Yeah, man. So tell us, what inspired you to write this book? How'd you get into all this? Well, when I, was, I started writing it, it wasn't a book at that point, it was only notes to myself mm. about all the new fruits I was eating. Because about three years ago, I started uh, eating fruit primarily as my, as my diet. Uh, I don't really like the term diet because it's, it's more of a lifestyle. It's more just everyday natural choices. Mm. Why? Because diet's like restrictive in, in people's brains maybe? Or why? Yeah, it's restrictive. It has the word die in it. You know, I, I don't mm. know. Words are vibration and... And also people have this idea of diets being restrictive, right? So I don't want to label that for what I do. But anyways, I started eating mostly fruit when I was coming into this information of people doing that to heal certain elements and to let their bodies start to heal themselves naturally. Mm, for healing purposes. Yeah, that's really why I dove in to eating mostly fruits was because I had some health issues that I wanted to work on. And I had just been reading such great reviews and testimonials about people saying, you know, I, I switched to all fruit and got rid of my whatever it is, obesity, heart disease, um, asthma. And that's one thing that I struggled with. And mm. I did notice after three days of a liquid juice diet, again, there's that word, <laughs> three days on juice, in the very beginning of this journey I started going on, I noticed my asthma went away. And I said, huh, there may be something to this. So amazing. Yeah. So anyways, I started really eating fruit for breakfast. I started doing fruit for lunch shortly thereafter. And I started also doing this the day I chose to go vegan and stop eating all animal mm -hmm. products. Yeah. So, cool. and I noticed such a great shift that I just kept going and I haven't stopped since. So I still eat pr primarily fruit. And, oh, so I started writing these notes because I'm kind of a nerd. I'm, and it's good stuff, bro, by the thank way. You. Yeah, guys, it's like a little like just a download of the key things you need to know, you know? Cool. Mulberries don't store, just like, mm, like, yeah, not super deep, but like, like nobody really knows about a lot of this stuff. Well, that's know? the thing is I had to learn through trial and error about all these new fruits I was trying. For example, okay. I bought a hami melon, which I had never had, but I was, I waited till it got a little soft. Because I thought that's what you do. Like with cantaloupes, it wants to be a little bit soft, fragrant. But turns out, hami melons, you want them crunchy. That's just, they're naturally more crunchy. Hmm. You know, I learned that the hard way as I wrote that down. Yes. You know, they should have a slight fragrant aroma to them as well, coming from the blossom end, you know. Wrote that down. And then things like watermelons, you know, they don't have an aroma. They're not going to smell sweet. but you And they're not going to be soft either. You get a soft watermelon, don't eat it. That's right. So all these, Dude. all these tips and tricks about picking out fruit that I started writing down as notes, it grew so big. I was thought to myself, maybe I can make a zine, a little magazine, a little self printed, you know, pamphlet. And then it just kept growing and growing and growing. And, and now it's a book. Amazing, man. Yeah. Yeah. I loved it. And did you have Korean melon in there, by the way? Speaking of melons. No, I don't have Korean melon. There's have a few you had melons. It? Is that the snow melon? Is that what they call it? Uh, maybe it's, it grows down here, subtropical. 
like the Vietnamese, yeah, Korean melon. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but it's so good. It's like between a cucumber and like, you know, a cantaloupe or something. Mm, okay, definitely have to try that. It's great. But so with a thing that's, with a book that's sort of archives fruits, mm-hmm. you're never going to capture them all because yes. fruit is so diverse and so abundant and there's tens of thousands of varieties of tomatoes. Yeah, <laughs> literally. And there's thousands that we don't even know. Like, So I yeah, I appreciate you saying that and you introed with that which makes sense because it's like, hey, here's not the entire encyclopedia. Of, right. Because there's so many varieties when you really get into it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is not a book for rare fruit hunters. It's not a, mm. it's not tropical fruits, although I do include some tropical fruits in there. Yeah, I like that. This is really for the common person in the United States or abroad, you know, elsewhere in the subtropical and temperate regions. Uh, most okay. people should find these fruits wherever they are. And there's about 100 in there that I broke down, plus all the varieties. So about 250 varieties are listed in there. Cool. Yeah. Like the 100, the top 100. Kind of like the top 100, yeah. Cool. Yeah. I like how Anonas are in there. Yeah. Because Do you like those? I love Anonas. And they just really came into my life in the past couple of years. I was in Costa Rica last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, actually, it was in Miami that I had my first soursop. But I had kept hearing about it because I lived in a town up in Massachusetts with a with a large Cambodian population and a lot of Southeast Asian yes. folks live there. Okay. So I kept reading soursop on their menus and I kept hearing my students, I worked with kids, uh, talk about soursop, soursop. And I'm, so I finally found it down here anyways a couple of years ago. And uh, yeah, uh, cherimoyas are yeah. very popular down here. They're yeah. in the grocery store. I just bought one yesterday. Yeah. They get those guanabanas get bigger in Costa Rica though. Oh yeah. They're, they're big. Yeah. yeah, but you get them down here for sure. Mm-hmm. So you're down in Miami now. Yes, like, I like live homestead. I live right near homestead in Miami on a on a fruit farm. Amazing. Yeah. What do you guys grow? We grow. We try to grow everything. It's mostly mangoes. We have about seventy five varieties of mango. Heck yeah. Yeah, a lot of trees. What's your What's your fave? This was a big season for mangoes. It was big, uh, but our farm is pretty new, so most of those trees aren't producing yet. Got it. But we do have two old growth trees that produced like crazy. You know, I'd be no. picking up a hundred a day is what it felt like. Dude, seriously. Yeah. This year was crazy with it. Yeah. What varieties were those two trees? We don't know. Okay. Yeah. We called them tree A and tree B. Yeah. And they're these <laughs> big round ones with very little fiber, super sweet. Mm. They almost look like Tommy Atkins, but they're not because they're almost fiberless super sweet, you know, and, and I'm not that expert on like all the varieties yet. So yeah. I don't, I can't even really You're be new, new to, to the game. You. I'm pretty new to the, the mango game. You're the mango, right. Yeah. No, I'm not with fruit, but it, exactly mangoes. You need several seasons for it to really get your bearings. I think. I think so. Yeah. 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 So, but I'm, I'm happy to have jumped in. You're on your way. Yeah. We're, yeah. We're on our way, man. Yeah. Yeah. So what's uh what's your favorite like tropical fruit? Hmm. Favorite tropical fruit? Subtropical. That's a oh, that's such a hard question because for me, <laughs> my favorites always shift based on what's in season and what I kind of have in front of me. I love you know, that. it's like my favorite fruit's the one I'm eating in the moment. <laughs> I love that answer. Yeah, and actually, so right now it might be bananas. Okay. You gifted me some dwarf Namwa bananas. Like your shirt. I'm really brother. excited. Oh, look what I'm wearing. And we have these amazing bananas on our farm. So... And I've just been really enjoying them 
uh, our neighbors have these bananas. They look like plantains. They're massive and kind of more squared off, but they taste like bananas and they're as sweet as bananas. Mm. So I don't know exactly they, what they are. Yeah, those sound like the Orinocos. They sometimes turn sweet too and you could eat them. Possibly. And, and they look, yeah, the burro. They call them burro. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So cool, man. Really Bana bad. Bananas. Yeah, it's a classic, classic fruit. They're classic. my favorite right in this moment. I love that. And yeah. yeah, I love that. You could use them as plantains too, people don't realize, which means just like tostones, like basically a potato alternative. You know, yeah. what do you think about that? Yeah, like do you like to use it as that? Yes. Well, I've never used unripe bananas for that purpose, but I've made tostones with green plantains mm. and they're incredible. They are a little potato-y. Like w before those plantains ripen and those starches turn into sugars, it is more potato-y when you cook it. Yeah. So that's nice. Throw a little mm. salt on there, mm. and it's a really delicious. Uh, I'm not even going to say snack because these could be meals. These could be a whole feature. Mm -hmm. um, and and one thing in the book that a lot of people don't know is that plantains can be enjoyed raw if you just wait, 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 wait until they get black mm. and kind of mushy. Right. And people th will think they have gone bad, but I slice one of them open, grab a spoon, and it's party time. Wow. Raw. Oh yeah. Cool. Yeah, so I just wait till they get nice and nice okay. and soft. Man, everyone throws them in oil and cooks them up and cut maduritos. That's right. how I know it. So that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. And, and it, you got this. It's really good stuff, dude. I just like got the download. I'm so I have so many questions, bro. Mm -hmm. I, I I have to ask. And I know you were saying like this might not be how you would have framed it initially, but the digestion types. So interesting. Dude. Yes. And what's your favorite one? Oh, good question. Yeah. So the book is broken up into seven different groups of fruit, and I base those groups on the digestion type. So what that means is we look at the ratio that each fruit has of acids, sugars, and fats, basically, mm -hmm. and water. And based on where those numbers lie and where the ratio is, the fruit can either be an acid fruit, like cranberries and limes, right? which mm -hmm. is, you think of acids, it's acidic, right? And mm -hmm. it's tart when you eat those. Oranges. Yep. Yeah. And um, although some oranges really kind of lean toward the subacid. So that's mm -hmm. another variety is uh, subacid fruits. Then you have your sweet fruits, like bananas and plantains. Mm -hmm. uh, I put durian and jackfruit in there too. Um, and those, yeah, sweet fruits, predominated by sugars, very low in acid. And sometimes they have a higher fat content like durian. And some people will put durian in the fatty fruits group. Yeah. But I didn't because my, how I see it, fatty fruits don't really have any sugar in them at all. Mm. We're talking about avocado. Yeah. Coconut meat, which coconut. it has some sugar. It's a little sweet, but it's, uh, it's predominated by fats and has no acids and very little sugar. And then the third fatty fruit, olives. Yeah. People forget olives are a fruit. That's a fruit. <laughs> um, That's amazing, man. And yeah, so what's your favorite? Or did you well, name them all? Did you name them let's all? Let's just go real quick. Fatty. Then there's, yeah, then there's uh, non-sweet fruits, which are your cucumbers, your peppers, what else? Bitter melon, things yeah. like that, which are uh, predominated by water, really, and they have very low sugar content. And then you have fruits to be cooked, and this is one that I kind of made. I never saw this classification out there in the fruit world. Yeah, it's so interesting. So I, I was like, well, what about all the winter squashes and pumpkins and eggplant? 
So those are fruits to be cooked. Can't be enjoyed raw as easily. I think some, some people right. get away with eating some of these raw, but you know, I like to cook yeah. pumpkins, <laughs> winter squash, all the winter squashes, you know, kabocha and red curry and yeah. all that. Those are classics, man. Those yeah. are those deserve a place. For sure. And and they don't get talked about in the fruitarian world a lot because a lot of fruitarians are raw. They're raw foodists. And yes. they wouldn't think about eating cooked food. But to me, there's nothing better than like a, a roasted, um, I almost said sweet potato, they're very similar, <laughs> roasted squash, roasted yeah. butternut squash Pumpkin. or something. Pumpkins. Dude, totally. And they grow prolific. And we have amazing seminal pumpkins down here yes. and on the farm. So you, you cook those up? Because that's what I was thinking about, man, that that seminal pumpkin, dude. It's so good. Yeah. Yep. And they, So you have the whole spectrum, brother, on here. Yeah. Did I miss any other? So we got... Acid, subacid, sweet, fruit, uh, non-sweet, fruits to be cooked, fatty. I feel like there's one. Oh, cool. and melons. And melons. Melons is a whole other section. We'll put them on screen too. Okay. Heck yeah, because though it's it's cool. So the melons, dude. Okay, so melons are very high in sugar, and very high in water. Yes. And a lot of the raw foodists teach that you should eat melons only on an empty stomach and by themselves. And this gets into the digestion types because based on how much water, sugar, acid, and fat they have, they're going to combine either favorably or unfavorably in the body when yeah. you eat them. Now, this is interesting. So talk a little bit about that. Like, Well, and I also don't want to forget about the question you said, what's my favorite one? Yes. Honestly, I think it's acid fruits, man. Really? I love citrus. <laughs> I'm citrus. a citrus freak. Got you. Yeah. Yeah. I love them all, yeah. but I think just to pick one, we'll, we'll go with acid fruits. I'm glad you chose because, yeah. <laughs> and my favorite, it, it was hard. It was hard. I mm -hmm. think sweets. Yeah. I love those. Jackfruits, dates. Mm. Yeah, and all, dry, we digress. All, all dried fruit would fall into like the sweet fruit category, even if it was an acid fruit to begin with. If you dry an orange, dehydrate it, you're concentrating those sugars to mm. a point where it effectively functions as, an, as a sweet fruit in the, in the gut. Interesting. Yeah. Cool, man. So, yeah, but we were just getting at, like, exactly, like, watermelon juice by itself feels perfect. Mm -hmm. Like you were saying, doing it by itself, like, when you combine them, it kind of throws things off. Yeah. How can so, people understand that, you know? Right. So, the book is based on the teachings of natural hygiene, which is a, it's a science and a philosophy and a practice of living that was sort of pioneered in the 1800s by... People like Isaac Jennings, uh, R.T. Trawl, um, John Henry Tilden, and then it really got taken into the forefront by Herbert Shelton. So I write in the book that a lot of this philosophy and how I present the book is based on natural hygiene, and they talk about food combination and um, food combining all the time. So how can people make sense of this? You basically just want to eat fruits with uh, either by themselves some people say the best combination is no combination because mm. it's just simpler on the gut. Yeah. You think it's easier for your gut to digest just apples or apples and avocado? My guess would be just the apples because it doesn't have to worry about deploying separate enzymes and acids to break down all these fatty acids in the avocado. So anyways, I, I do offer some guidelines in the book based mm -hmm. that kind of say... Go get the book, and you could find out. Right, for but I, but I'll also break it down here. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, fatty fruits okay. they digest well with acid fruits because those are low in sugar. 
but mm, that fatty, may, that makes sense. Acid and fatty together mm-hmm. are good. Yeah, you mentioned like tomato and avocado, like guacamole is a classic example with the lime juice in there. Yeah, it's gonna be easier on digestion than if there was mango in that in that um, guacamole. Next, high sugar, high sweet. Right, because the fat is going to digest a little bit slower, and then the sugars have a potential of sitting in the gut longer and fermenting. Interesting. Yeah. So basically the idea is we don't want to combine melons and sweet fruits with fatty fruits and other cooked foods. Like if you had a watermelon after a plate of ribs, those ribs are going to digest extremely slow relative to the melon. And it's just going to complicate things and cause fermentation, gas, bloating, discomfort. So, but really instead of listening to food combining rules, quote unquote, offered by people like Herbert Shelton, I think what we really need to do is listen to our own bodies. Mm. We are the authority of what's good for us because we have the the best feedback mechanism. You know, we have the best way to tell intuitively before we even put foods in our mouth sometimes. I think your body will tell you if you look at a certain piece of food Interesting. if it wants it or not. We are intuitive like that. We are. And we just gotta we just gotta check in. A lot of people don't check in or never were taught that or it's there's true. too many other things going on for them to even have a clear intuition so it's good to tune into that you're exactly right brother because yeah and it's so interesting because we just get all these situations in society where there's like 20 options at the buffet or something and it's kind of i've never felt good eating a bunch of that stuff Mm -hmm. it's interesting to tune into ourselves like what do what does our body want you know Mm -hmm. what does that look like how does that taste definitely like one of my friends just to on that point ralph who's he's really all about healing and dieta and all these different things he's told me he's like hey when you because i told him hey i felt like i had food poisoning this one time like a year ago or something he's like man if when i know when i feel it like right away that's when you kind of want to purge it he's Mm. like you almost know before it's good and then you'll be fine Mm. and i'm like that's so interesting Mm. you know because he's tuned in he could you know i don't know just help not suffer the best way to prevent the suffering is to not eat foods that we know are going to cause issues, but sometimes it's not that easy. Yes. So, but listen to your body. If I had one message for listeners, it's, it's don't listen to me about food. It, listen to yourself. Like you are the authority. You are the export chart. You're the expert chart your own course. You know, yes. like that's what we're here for. We yeah. have to learn experientially, but I did a lot of learning about food in the past couple of years, putting it into this book. I think is a good uh, primer for people who haven't incorporated fruits into their life that much and maybe want to start doing more. Yeah, man. And and by the way, like how would someone, because this is like amazing and gets you going, how would someone like in their hometown even, yeah, so you can go get this book. Where can people go get this book, by the way? You can find it on sethbalen.com or thefruitcompanion.com. Awesome. And that's so you can get the PDF download. And it's clickable, meaning and searchable. So you can search terms and you can uh, click the table of contents. It'll take you right to the page. Okay, cool. Yeah. How much is that? The PDF download? The PDF's 15. Cool. And then the paperback, Super you can get on my site right, well, by the time this comes out, the sale might not be there, but the paperback's available on my website, Barnes & Noble, Amazon, anywhere you find books. Yeah, uh, support them. Cool. And yeah. But what I'm, I guess my question is someone who's at home and just like trying to get into this, how do they start? Like, where do they start? You know, Mm. 
You Good know, question. If they're like overwhelmed, oh, I don't have money for all this fruit. Mm. You know. Yeah, I mean, affordability is a big piece of the puzzle. So I would start by looking at just what what fruits are the cheapest. If that's if that's your uh, limitation, yeah. bananas are supremely cheap. Um, you know, look for the other fruits that are. If you buy in wholesale, buy in bulk from wholesale distributors, it's going to be much cheaper. That's the same place that the grocery store buys their fruits from. Cool. So you can cut out one middleman if you just go directly to the wholesaler. And the farmer's market's pretty cheap at the end of the day. They're giving some stuff away. Right. You know, there's research. I think you got to want it too. Well, brother, fa- you know what I mean? You do have to want it. It's, you gotta a go fo- and- it's all focus in this life. Yep. And then one thing I did too to help me just source and diversify was by going to many different stores at once. So I lived in New Orleans and I would go to... I would go to the Spanish grocery store. I'd go to the Asian grocery store. I'd go to the the big box Walmart, you know, because they had some pretty good melons, I would actually say, yeah. honeydews and, and the golden dews in particular. So, so I would go to certain places for certain- They have certain... their things. Walmart does have their certain produce that hits. Yeah, and you know, the they're, the, they're the biggest <laughs> purchasers of organic produce in the world. Interesting. Walmart, you know, because there's so many of them and they have organic yeah. fruits at pretty much every- every market there that's cool though but so, dude I, I interrupted to your point it's exactly right you got to go seek out those markets yep and then don't yeah. forget the farmers markets and the csa's and the directly from the farm purchases i mean to me if i could get all my food locally i would because yes. that is the highest quality usually let's let's create that vision by the way seth yeah let's do it brother <laughs> i have i have the vision i saw a produce truck driving on the highway yesterday and it looked like a kind of a smaller scale one because it was a short box truck and it was, you know, homemade sign or whatever. And I thought to myself, you know, I think there's going to be more of these in the coming years. I think there's going to be more people who want to try to help bridge the gap between food producers and food consumers. Mm-hmm. And everyone's waking up to, oh, we got to grow our own. We have to support locally. Like we have to strengthen these local food systems and local economies if we want to you know, survive the next whatever. Yeah, bro. Or even if we just want to increase the quality of our of our food, our n- nutrition choices, you know? <laughs> but for both of those reasons, I'm glad you just said that because mm-hmm. it is true. The last podcast we had, by the way, which is about to air too, by the time this comes out, he talked about all these things like what if there was a fallout or whatever and there weren't all these restaurants or fast food or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like it is good to... To, to have locally grown food is an easy solution to that. And also nutrition, like yeah. also getting exactly what we need. Yes. Because that's how we evolved for so many years, right? Like Yeah, I remember learning the word terroir like 10 years ago, which is kind of has to do with the flavor of a food that has to do with that particular land. So, you know, they talk about that with wine grapes you know champagne has to only come from the land of champagne and exactly and it's just i've always had that in my mind of like everything has a terroir you can't really tell with these supermarket fruits but when i moved here to south florida i'm eating bananas that grew 20 feet away from where i'm sleeping i mean they taste incredible yeah they're so vibrationally just delicious and they're so Oh my goodness. Colorful and like there's 10 times more flavor in those bananas than any other bananas you can find. Dude, and it's the terroir. Yeah. Of that particular soil, of that particular limestone coral, you know, that's underneath the ground. 
and the particular water table that's underneath you as well. Florida has so much spring water, so many aquifers and canals, and yeah. these mango trees are just tapered directly into these lakes and these these aquifers and, and everything that a lot of it's that. So a lot of it, I think, has to do with the minerals that are in that spring water and... Um, yeah, local food, man. That is yeah. the answer. Listening to our bodies and sourcing locally will create a utopia in 10 years. Let's do it. <laughs> Dude, that's, I never had that thought, the terroir. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know that word, which terror is from terra, right? Like exactly. The land. Mm-hmm. And war is probably like, I don't know. The but essence, it's maybe. The essence. Yeah. yeah, that's the word. But like totally everything has a terroir. Mm-hmm amazing and like we need to honor that because everyone's trying to grow like with the more i talk with people they're like can i grow this garlic for example which needs a frost it doesn't really Mm. grow here on you know but anyways my point is it's not it doesn't want to grow here for a reason Mm. it because it's better when you grow in oregon like yep it's just hits it grows like that's what you want and then i'm sure there's some garlic that does great in south florida that's very unique to this right. part of the world. There's some sort of, yeah, I'm sure there's an alternative. Exactly. Or is there? I don't I don't know. I think people put in like their freezer oh. down here and do it. I don't think it's a, yeah, meant for zone nine and 10. But like that's most things there are, there are varieties that are down here. Exactly. Hmm. Like, at, like for example, with the fruits, you're exactly right. There's stuff that grows out up there and in the north that grows well down here. But but anyways, the terroir has got me thinking, dude. Well, okay, and I we want to honor it. We do, we do. And I also wanted to add, since Deep. I mean, your show and your business is all about helping people grow their own food. Heck yeah! And that is a huge thing that we can be taking steps toward doing. You know, if someone's like, I don't know how to get started eating more natural foods. Well, you can sprout your own seeds in a jar, yes. and you can grow tomatoes from a windowsill. You know, if you have to, if you have a little plot of land, you can grow cucumbers. You can get one of them little towers and start growing greens. Dude, you're exactly right. You don't need a ton of space. Yeah. We complicate ourselves. You're right. You could sprout them in a jar. It's the me- the mm-hmm. best thing for you. Broccoli sprouts. I like broccoli sprouts. Yeah, me too. They're delicate though. You have to rinse them. Otherwise they, they can uh, mold pretty quick. It's true. So I used to take them on my backpacking trips, broccoli mm. sprouts. Mm. And it was amazing because I would just like sprout them and like, because they're so quick, I'd be in the woods four or five days out, and they'd finally be ready, and I'd finally have greens, you know, mm-hmm. eating all this tuna and whatever else. Nice. It would just, I was like, it was the best thing ever. Nice. I just felt it. Yeah, so I, I would encourage everyone to just consider how you might be able to start producing something. It doesn't need to be a lot. It doesn't need to be a significant portion of your grocery bill, but if you grew your own herbs and your own tomatoes, you could like level up your the flavor game tremendously. Tremendously. Yeah, and not only flavor, but again, affordability. After a while, they pay for themselves. The it's, cherry it's tomatoes. Free food. It's insane. Yeah, people don't realize how productive. Yeah, and um, obviously, it'll just get us closer to that small system that we that we need that we know is better for the economy, environment, health, X, Y, Z. Heck yeah! So. Man. Yeah, let's do it. Earlier, yeah, we, we were talking about uh, that long-term fast I did. Oh, we were talking about definitions, too. Yes. And in the, so in the beginning of the book, I have some definitions that I lay out, which I think are really important. People can fight over the term fruit. What is that? Is corn a fruit? Are seeds a fruit? Right. You know, is zucchini a fruit? But I'll just read my definition so I don't get it wrong. A fruit is 
an edible, often sweet, reproductive body of a plant. Or, in short, a seeded vegetable. Because yes. a vegetable is any edible part of a plant. So a veggie can be a root, a seed, a fruit, a leaf. A stem. Yeah. Interesting. And then, yeah, so a fruit is the reproductive part. Exactly. That contains the seeds. Which is really, I, when I read all that, I was like, it really is magnificent. The fruit, like how amazing is that? Yeah. I mean. It's this seasonal body. Yeah. It's, this, m- it's the sexual reproductive organ of the plant that is extremely enticing visually um, aromatically, flavor-wise, they're so perfectly shaped and portion-sized and easy to harvest, easy to open. For the most part, there's some fruits that are hard to harvest, right? Hard but to they, open. But for no, but it's a good point. All the subtropical fruits that like I know of that we grow, they say for the most part, when it's ripe, you could open it with your hands. Mm-hmm. You don't need all these tools because I think we evolved that way, mm-hmm. eating, picking these fruits and eating them. Yeah. Dude, it's amazing what you're saying. So what what do you think about, like, it's so interesting that Adam and Eve, the story of Adam and Eve with the fruit, and Eden, what do you think about that? I know we have, we're wrapping up the show. I'm trying to bring up Eden, but like. Yeah, that's, that's a big question, but. What do you think? Do you have any thoughts on that? Well, I'm not a biblical scholar by any means. Right. So I may have to interpret this one metaphorically. And. Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking like my kind of my working story in my head. And again, I don't necessarily believe this. This is a something I'm toying with that, that we lived in Eden at one point, you know, humans, not just two of the first humans, but there was an Edenic quality to life at one point. Mm -hmm. And I say that because there's evidence of tropical plants all around the world in Alaska buried under layers and layers of snow and layers of civilizations are these fossilized fruit trees. And so there's strong evidence that shows uh, the whole planet was tropical at one point. And if that was the case, then we may be walking around being able to grab guanabanas and soursops and, you know, ananas yeah. and even apples and Sugar everything. apple. Yeah, off the tree. Yeah. And, and, we live, and life was easy. Wow. You know, That's what Atlantis is. That's what they say, right? It's like back when yeah that that existed interesting so a lot of people out there a lot of the fruitarians have this edenic angle to their approach where they want to bring that back into existence through their lifestyle through peace to all living creatures harmony health you know eating fr- uh, food that is natural beautiful enticing naturally with no seasoning required you know no tools required um and I would like to see the world return to such a place too, without all this war and mm. and uh, just a complete abuse of our resources and and systems, you know. So big time. Yeah, maybe once upon a time we lived in Eden and we could pick all the fruit from the trees and didn't have to work. We just we just created and existed. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> What do you think of Adam and Eve? I I think, yeah, by the way, I'm not a biblical scholar either. And I love how we both start with that. But it's, no, I'm just interested in what you had, where you were at with that, because you're so deep about these, you know, topics. And I think I'm toying along the same lines of what you're exactly talking about and Mm -hmm. the information I'm coming across as well. So let let me take that thread and just tie it to what I was talking about earlier with definitions. Yeah. So we define fruit 
it's the reproductive organ of a of a plant basically that has seeds then there's other two other words that i needed to define in here because they get thrown around and they get misunderstood and everyone has different definitions of them one is fruitarian and one is frugivore so okay. the way I define these and the way many people define them, and again, there will be disagreements. I'm sorry if this doesn't <laughs> line up with your definition. There can be multiple valid definitions. Sure. But a fruitarian is one who eats primarily fruit. So if you eat 100% fruit or 65% fruit, I would consider you to be a fruitarian. Mm. That's can, valid. Yeah. Mostly fruit. Yeah. Primarily Primarily. Fruit. If that's the forefront of your diet, of your lifestyle choices, then... I would consider you to be a fruitarian. Now, frugivore, I see as a being who is physiologically um, adapted, evolved, or just endowed with um, the capacity to primarily eat fruit. L- let me say that better. A frugivore is a being who basically is built to most efficiently mm. eat fruit. Cool. So, like his his actual body yeah. type. Yeah. So since our Got since it. we don't have fangs and claws and the we don't have bloodthirst like a cat does. Yeah. Then I would say I would argue we're not endowed to eat animals as yeah. much as we're endowed to eat oranges See, and apples. You're probably right. Like, but but then there is the side where like humans are savages too, man. You know, like you think that's just like a learned thing in a corrupted world. I kind of do. You don't think they're predators like with their eyes in front of their heads and stuff. No, I'm just playing devil's advocate. Right. No, this is good. Yeah. yeah. Um, No, I think human eyesight and vision indicates that we are frugivores because we see color. Uh, Whereas animals Mm -hmm. like cats and other carnivores, they see motion and they can see you know, a mouse or another animal running quickly from them, but they don't need color as much. God, but is. color helps us distinguish the right plants to eat. Facts, we've adapted that yeah. very much. Yeah, so. we, don't have, we don't have the claws, we don't have the fangs, we don't have the tongues, we don't have the digestive system. You know, our, our GI tract and small intestine is extremely long, which is what you find in plant eaters. Um, and carnivores have super short digestive systems. So just looking at physiology is how you determine, you know, if you're a frugivore, carnivore, omnivore. And again, this is up for interpretation sure. and discussion. But I do think that all humans are frugivores in nature. Now, cool. you, you don't have to currently eat any fruit to be a frugivore because you were just born with an esophagus and stomach and intestines. It's that your way. makeup. It's, it's your makeup. Yes. Okay. So that's, so that's how I the, see it. That's the distinction. Cool. Yeah. Frugivore is kind of how you're built, and fruitarian has to do with your choices. Your choices and your actions. Yeah. And then some people flip those. Some people have. Some people say you have to be only eating fruit to be fruitarian. It's like okay, it's okay. We have multiple <laughs> valid definitions. Yeah. Yeah. It's okay. It isn't. It is okay because yeah, we can be individuals too. You know what I mean? I. I guess what I'm saying is whenever there's movements mm-hmm. a lot of the time, and you could probably relate to this, there's a lot of like division within the movement. Like you're not this, you don't do that. You know? When at the same time we're all fighting for the same thing or yeah. have similar value systems. Totally. So, so it's okay. Yeah. And the game who's right, nobody wins. Yeah. So I don't even want to play that. It's it's, it's more like... Let's just be very clear with what we're talking about so we kind of know. I mean, that's the essence of communication is is to get our point across. So we don't need to fight. 
You know? Dude, that's very shamanistic. <laughs> the game of it's true. Who's right? No one wins. I, I stole that from Marshall Rosenberg, by the way. Nonviolent communication. I recommend checking out. Okay. NVC nonviolent communication. I will. Yeah, that's powerful. Yeah. <laughs> cool, man. Yeah, dude. We just want to be happy, right? Yeah. We just want to be happy well, I, and safe and okay. We want to be happy, but maybe not all the time, right? If you were happy right. all the time, wouldn't that get kind of flat? Totally. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. So I don't think it's not my fulfilled, mission maybe? to be happy. <laughs> I like being happy, but I'd rather be, yeah, Facts. I'd rather be fulfilled, exalted, you know, um, embodied, mm, aligned. Aligned, you know, and feeling all the emotions. That's what I want. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, we're just getting going. This is good, man. We'll have to have you on again, dude. Talk about addition too, or whatever else you want. To talk hey, about. I'm down. You're a great host, yeah. and uh, you have a great show, and uh, it's nice. It's fun talking to you, brother. Thanks, man. Yeah. Do you want to play your song, bro? I can do that. Let's do I it. I can do that. Cool. All right. So you made a song for us, or for you made a fruit song, and you're gonna share it with our audience. Well, it's yeah, it's a song, and it can be about fruit. It can be about a woman. It's kind of how you interpret it, you know? It. Yeah. It's art. Well, let's let's hear it. Honeybell, yeah, she's so sweet. Like the kind of girl I'd like to meet. Quench your thirst with a juicy treat Like the kind of fruit that I like to eat Honey Bell knows how to please Flying around with the birds and the bees Underneath the orange leaves We're clapping and singing and planting trees We go Honey Bell Oh, she's so swell Oh, Honey Bell Oh, she's so swell Honey Bell, yeah, she's my type She may be shy, but she don't gripe Heavy in size and juicy and bright I'll pick you up when we feel it Honey Bell, yeah, she's so fine I'm gonna hang it up on the line Let that fruit ripen on the vine You know good things always take more time Honey Bell, oh, she's so swell Yeah, Honey Bell, oh, she's so swell Oh, 
Crushed it. That was epic, dude. Thank you, thank you. It's been a minute since I sang in, in front of anyone, really. Dude, yeah. Thanks for sharing. Yeah, yeah thank, you. thank you. Honey Bell, yes. <laughs> dude, I like the turnaround with the E minor. Honey Bell. Heck yeah. Dude, thank you so much. Thank you, Jack. Heck thanks yeah. for having me. Yeah, we'll see you guys. Peace. Peace. <laughs>